Well, hey everybody, it's awesome that we can come together again for part two of our proper response to Christmas. Let's pray together and then we'll jump straight into this session's message. Father, we thank you so very much that we can be together. We can come together from wherever we are in the world. You can speak your promises to us and they mean the same thing to all of those who encounter them with you. So Father, we just thank you for these promises. We thank you for the promise that we are celebrating right now, this time of the year, in the promise that Jesus Christ would come. Father, we are amazed by the gift that you gave us through your Son, Jesus Christ, the gift of relationship with you. And we pray right now, blessings on every single person represented here that can hear the sound of our voice. And in Jesus' name, we declare blessings and promise into those lives. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, if you missed last session, we started a journey through Romans chapter 12. And I know that might not be a normal Christmas scripture that we would generally use in the build-up to Christmas. But when we have a look at the opening line of that scripture in Romans chapter 12, in the, in the Passion Translation, it says this. It says, then, what then, dear brothers, should our proper response be to God's mercies? What then should our proper response be to God's mercies? How is it? What is it that we need to do? What is it that should well up from within us? What is it that should swell within us to say, yes, this is my response, my proper response to the mercies of God. And we know that Jesus Christ's arrival that we're celebrating now at, at the 25th of December and during our Christmas season, we are celebrating the arrival of the ultimate of God's mercies, the very embodiment of God's mercies. And so when we have a look at Romans chapter 12, Paul outlines what our lives should look like. And then last week we had a look and said, well, hang on, if we're responding to Jesus, it's not just a response to Jesus that means that we come together from wherever we are in the world and respond to him on the 25th of December. No, your Christmas salvation date might be very different to mine. And in our life group, in our online life group, just this last week, we discussed what was your Christmas salvation date? Mine was the 10th of October. My, my wife's was the 11th of February. Uh, we had a couple of other people on the group sharing their Christmas salvation date. Now, we know that Jesus didn't arrive uh, here on the earth on the 25th of December. But it's something that we use to celebrate, to mark when Jesus arrived, when Jesus came as promised from God for all of mankind. But we discussed that if that is the all of mankind date, that each one of us have our own date, our own Christmas date, when Jesus arrived into our lives. And we took a look at Romans chapter 12 and said that, you know what, our proper response, last week we took a look at the way we can respond, the very first step that we have to do in making sure that we respond properly to Jesus, whether it's taking time out on the 25th of December to celebrate him, or whether it's in fact taking time out on our Christmas salvation day to celebrate him, we need to respond by changing the way we think the only way we're going to be able to respond to Jesus is to break the way the world wants us to think, to break the way that Satan, the devil, is trying to get mankind to think. He wants us to think that we are depressed. He wants us to think that we're downtrodden. He wants us to think that we are all the things that he says we are and not the things that God says 
that we are. And so when we have a look at that, we understand that these things, he wants to get us trapped in strongholds, thinking in a certain way. And as a result, never ever embracing the wonder of God's mercies and responding properly to God's mercies. So the very first step that Romans chapter 12 outlines for us to do as we respond to Jesus, as we respond to Christmas, is that we are to break strongholds. We don't have to think like the world. We don't have to think the way we used to believe. We don't have to think in religious practice. We don't have to think based on rules and regulations. No, we think completely with the relationship that Jesus brought us through Christmas, that relationship that Jesus brought us with the Father. We said last time that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Life is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Jesus came so that we could change our minds. One of God's mercies that came through Jesus that we respond to is the power, Second Corinthians chapter 10, is the power to break strongholds. Let's have a look again at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, we're going to stay here for this week and we're going to go on next week into the rest of the book of Romans. But when we have a look at the scripture, I thought what we could do is last week we picked out that our proper response to God's marvelous mercies and then we also picked up the ability to be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Those are the two statements that we picked up in Romans chapter 1 and 2 last week. This week, this session, like to have a look at a couple of other statements and tie them together and weave them together to have a look at our second response that should be imminent or prominent in our response to Jesus. It says in verse 1, it says, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Verse 2 continues, Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. So here are the expressions. If you're following along in the notes, you can just have a look. I, I highlighted some words and expressions in the notes. Um, if you can't find the notes, just ask one of the hosts in the chat room and they'll direct you to the notes tab and you can continue reading in there. But I, I highlighted this. I encourage you to surrender yourselves. Surrender yourself. Say it with me at home. I know you might be at home. I know some people in the house might think it's crazy, but say it with me. Surrender yourselves. The second phrase or words that I highlighted in the verses this evening or today whenever you're receiving this message, is living sacrifices. First is surrender yourselves. Say it with me, living sacrifices. So we are to surrender ourselves and become living sacrifices. Why? So that the next set of words are highlighted, experiencing all that delights his heart. And then we jump to verse 2, where I highlighted the last sentence. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. So let's unpack the first expression at, 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 right off the bat, living sacrifices. Now, the, the word sacrifice here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, says uh, sacrifice, which is the Greek word for zozan. Or zozan is the Greek word for sacrifice. And it actually means at its core, 
fully alive. We are to be fully alive, yet sacrifices. We are to be fully alive, yet surrendered. We are to be fully alive, yet completely humbled. When it comes to God, your humility, promotion is always attached. So when we are completely humble, and we are sacrificed, and we are completely submitted, and we are completely surrendered, well, the promotion is that we're going to be fully, Zozan, fully alive. It's kind of weird because when we think of sacrifice, we think of dead, not fully alive. The Zozan word was the same word used when Peter described being born again. He said when you become born again, you become Zozan, you become fully alive. It's the same word that was used in Second Corinthians when, when Paul was describing the the, the Genesis creation event, he used that same Greek word when Adam breathed in the breath of God and became Zozan fully alive. Whenever Jesus resurrected somebody from the dead, he uses this word that they are now fully alive. This is not defining that your living sacrifice is that you become depressed, is that you become suppressed, is that you become oppressed. No, when we understand that when we surrender, when we respond correctly to the beautiful gift of Jesus Christ, when we respond in that nature, well then we are going to become fully alive. But to surrender to Jesus, to surrender to all that he is, to, to fully respond in that surrendered, humil humble, surrendered state, the promotion will be that we become fully alive but we are going to have to put down the way we think. We're going to have to kill off our thoughts. We are going to have to submit our plans. We're going to have to submit all that we are to the altar and burn them, sacrifice them, put them aside. The reason we do that is because our thoughts and our fleshy responses to Jesus don't bring us into this Zozan experience. It doesn't bring us into this, this beautiful, fully alive experience with God. No, our thoughts, our ways, our pride, our course of action always brings us to mediocre life. It just gets us by. It just makes us okay. It just makes us enough. It just, it just puts, gets life going through the motion. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says it like this in the Passion Translation, Celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us His extravagant mercy. For His fountain of mercy, His extravagant mercies, what then, dear brothers, should our response be to God's extravagant mercies? This is what He's shown us. For His fountain of mercies, His extravagant mercies, has given us what? It's given us Zozan. It's given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through Jesus Christ. A living, energetic hope becomes ours when we receive God, when we respond to Jesus correctly, and we put down, we sacrifice our thoughts, our ideas, our desires, and we ask Him into our lives. That moment that that happened is a moment that we can have Every single day. It doesn't just have to be on your Christian salvation day, your Christmas salvation day. No, it can happen every single day. We don't just become fully alive at Christmas time. Well, when we have a look around us, many people start showing qualities of Jesus at Christmas time. People seem to be a little bit more nicer to one another. 
we give a little bit more. We, we sacrifice a little bit more. It's weird because comes 25th of December and everybody seems to start living the full life. But by the 3rd of January, everybody's back to living their mediocre humdrum lives. Why? Because during the 25th of December period, we are responding to Jesus. We're putting aside our normal behavior, our mediocre behavior, our depressive and suppressed and oppressive behavior, and we are surrendering, we are sacrificing all of that, and we begin living a fully devoted, fully wonderful, beautiful life. You see, when we ever we focus on Jesus, put aside our thoughts and processes in a sacrificial process, and live this fully devoted life, we are promoted. We get an energetic hope through Jesus Christ. Life going through the motion is no fun. That's why we love Christmas time so much. It's change. It's new. We get to see loved ones. It's, it's, it's different. It's exciting. We, we get to open and unwrap presents. We get to give gifts. We, we get to live the life that we'd love to live every single day on the other 364 days of the year. Well, we can. Revelation says that we needed to return to that. We need to return to our first love. We need to return to that moment where we're sacrificing how we feel and accepting how Jesus feels if we want to be a fully alive kind of life. John chapter 10 and verse 10, a well-known scripture says this, A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But Jesus came, Christmas, Jesus came, to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life, Zozan, in its fullness until you overflow. Our thoughts, our natural fleshy responses, Satan the devil prompting worldly thoughts do not be conformed to the way the world thinks, says Romans chapter 12, but Satan stirring up in us our desires, our fleshy thoughts, is not going to do anything but rob, steal, and destroy from us. Uh, you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm okay. I'm mediocre. I'm, I'm just good. Everything's, everything's stable. Well, you might have stopped in your fullness of life. You haven't put down life, but you haven't embraced a fullness that Jesus Christ can give you until you overflow. You see, when we have a look at that scripture, the next statement that I highlighted wasn't just loving sacrifices, no, but it was that we can experience all that delights his heart. All that delights his heart. What delighted God's heart was to love mankind so much that he sent his only begotten son. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. He sent his son. His word, his Jesus, his gift to mankind was his promises, was all of the desires that he had for us, was all the will, the perfect desires of his heart. So if we are to live a full life, we are to sacrifice our plans and embrace all that delights the Lord's heart, all of his promises, all of his words. We need to, number one, we need to know what his promises are. We need to accept that his promises are relevant not just for the world in general, but for us personally. We then need to believe in those wonderful things that delights his heart. We need to believe in them, faith, even though we haven't seen them. We need to deep down, they need to become our knee-jerk reaction to life, not our Sunday morning or Christmas morning response. 
God's promises, if we genuinely believe them, when we are faced with trial, the promises that we've been storing up, all His delights, He doesn't delight for you to be ill, He doesn't delight for you to be broken, He doesn't delight for you to be hurt. So those aren't His promises. So when something happens in our lives, we don't respond with hurt. We don't just respond with our depression. We don't just respond with our oppression. No, we respond. Knee-jerk reaction to life situations, if we genuinely believe, is to respond with the promises of God. Once we know, accept, and believe the delights of the Lord, once we know, accept, and believe the promises of the Lord, well then, activation becomes natural. And when we start activating the promises, when we start responding to Jesus, responding to the promises that he carried by his arrival, when we respond to those promises, that's when they become activated in our lives. My son has a desire to perhaps study medicine. It's a, it's a desire of my heart for him to study medicine. We've worked out certain things for him to go ahead and study medicine. He believes that he can do it. He really believes, he's not a doctor yet, but he really believes that that's a course that he might take in life. He's going through the process of weighing up what it is he wants to do with his life. And if he chooses medicine, he'll be walking out a promise that the whole family has got behind. His promise only activates when he steps up and starts working at college towards that end. Whether it's medicine, whatever whatever vocation he decides to go on, he only starts to move in that direction. He can know about being a doctor. He can accept that he might want to be a doctor. He might even see in his mind's eye him operating on somebody or, or being a doctor. But until such time as he begins studying, as he begins working through the course, as he begins gaining experience, as he begins learning, it's not ever going to be activated. But he has to know, accept, and believe before he takes the first step. Know, accept, and believe. Know the promises of God. Accept that they are relevant not just for the world, but for you. Believe in them so much so that when hardships arise, they are your knee-jerk reaction to life. And when that happens, you will see all that delights God for you being activated in your life. And that's not just any life. That's a Zazan life. That's a full life. That's a rich life. But you see, we have to surrender our, our way of thinking and believe that the promises of God are for us. We need to accept. The Israelites knew of the law. They knew that they had to take a sacrifice up to the temple on special occasions. They knew the law. They had accepted the law. They had accepted that God's way was best. They believed that God, they believed in Him so much that they were afraid of Him. They knew He existed. But until such time as they took their sacrifice up to the altar, they didn't demonstrate that their trust was in God's promise. They demonstrated that their promise, their trust was in their own promises. We do that daily too. Not necessarily that we don't believe that God's promises are better, that we don't believe that what delights His heart is better for us. No, we believe that we are not worthy of receiving those promises. That our situation is so bad that God has made our lives devoid of what delights His heart. Well, if that is the case, let's have a look at how Abraham addressed the difficult situation and maybe we can glean some information on how we can respond 
to the promises of God, Jesus Christ, we can respond and see that we can actually surrender to that promise. We can sacrifice to that promise. We can submit to that promise. We all know the story of Abraham and Isaac. God tests Abraham and sends him up the mountain with his son to go and sacrifice his son. The promise that that Abraham knew about, accepted and believed was now receiving instruction which was contrary to what he had been promised. He promised that through this seed, through Isaac, many nations would be blessed, many nations would come. And so Abraham then begins to seek out the, the, what delights the father. It was difficult to accept the promise when God was asking him to put his son to death. Well, actually, God in the end was asking Abraham to make a living sacrifice. The idea was that Isaac would always live, but he had to go through the process of demonstrating that what he had begun to hold dear, what he thought the plan was, what he thought he had to do, needed to be put on the altar. And when that son was put on the altar, not killed, put on the altar, the thought process, his desires, his plans were put on the altar and the son submitted, sacrificed himself, submitted to those things that he thought he had to do, God's full life could come into that promise. And so Abraham chose to put down the things of how he thought the promise would come to be, and he embraced another promise. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, it says this, by faith, and we know that faith is something we, we have when we can't see the promise, but we believe it anyway. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Then we jump to verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11, and it says this, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. He who had embraced the promise was now putting down what he wanted and desired, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned, look, have a listen to this, in verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. You see, he believed in a promise. He got wrapped up in making his own plans favoring Isaac, looking after Isaac. How could Isaac ever be put to death? He had made his own plans. God needed him to put his own plans on the altar. But he put his own plans on the altar, did Abraham, with the another promise at the back of his mind, the promise of resurrection. And so when Abraham sacrificed his thoughts, he was able to do that with knowing, accepting, and believing the promises of God you will be able to sacrifice your life only if you know, accept, and believe in the promises of God. You'll be able to put all that you desire on the altar of God, all that you have, your time, your treasure, and your talents. You'll be able to put all of that on the altar. It doesn't mean to say that you're not going to have time, not going to have treasure, and not going to have talents anymore. No, Abraham had Isaac restored to him, but he now had the activation of a promise in his life. He didn't just have an unseen promise. He had an activated promise in his life. He now knew through the sacrifice that was made in the ram that Isaac 
was indeed the chosen one and that God was indeed protecting him and that God would indeed have raised him from the dead if any harm came to him. So even later on in life, if anything happened to Isaac because of the promise of resurrection, the promise of many nations would still be fulfilled. Even if Isaac died after Abraham was, 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 had died, God could resurrect that seed and continue the promise. Based on the promises of God, knowing, accepting, and believing the promises of God, we are able to activate the promises of God. And the same time we activate the promises of God, we sacrifice our desires, our thoughts, and our concepts of life. When we begin believing His promises, when we begin to understand His promises, when we begin to really knee-jerk react to His promises, Abraham could have knee-jerk reacted and said, Not my son, Lord! No, his knee-jerk reaction was to take the command of God to sacrifice his son. His knee-jerk reaction was the promise of resurrection. He knew, accepted and believed, and as a result saw activation of the promises of God in his life. Abraham reasoned on the promises of God, not the thoughts of his own flesh. If we are to sacrifice our own thoughts to step into a Zazan fully activated life, well then we need to be able to put down reason on the promises of God, not reason on the promises, plans and desires of our own mind. Relationship with God, the reason Jesus Christ came, is based on trust. We need to trust Him. Through Jesus Christ, believe it or not, He has found you trustworthy. He believes in you. He believes in you so much that He sent His only begotten Son and you're celebrating that only begotten Son this Christmas. He really believes in you. He really trusts that when you respond through Jesus, you will fully respond and activate all that delights his heart in your life. We need to trust God back. Relationship is built on trust. Abraham trusted the promise of God as a result could sacrifice his own desires. When we start building this up, when we start growing in this thought process, when we start understanding that knowing, believing and accepting, knowing, accepting and believing the promise of God knowing these things, accepting that they're good for me and believing in them first before allowing my mind to get in the way. Change your mind according to Romans chapter 12. Before I can do all of that, I believe God's word. I believe God's promise. That's the way we respond to Jesus. We respond by understanding that we can trust the promise because we are in relationship with a trustworthy God. We can, under, we can understand that even though it doesn't make sense, faith, even though we can't understand it, even though we can't see it, Hebrews 11 verse 1, even though it's not yet beheld, even though we can't comprehend it, even though it doesn't quite make sense, if it's from God, it will work out for your good. It will work out if you allow it to be activated in your life to see you step into a full, rich life. This is how we respond to God. We become living sacrifices. Just because I give my money to God, just because I sacrifice my tithes and my offerings to God, doesn't mean to say that my finances are going to die. No, because I've sacrificed the way I would like to do my finances and I would like to have money to God, watch Him respond with an activated pr uh, promise of abundance. 
Watch him respond with an activated promise of joy. Watch him respond with an activated promise. By sacrificing our way, we are demonstrating we know, accept, and believe the promises of God. By sacrificing our way, when we know, accept, and believe the promises of God, we are actually standing ready to activate the blessings of God. Knowing, accepting, and believing the promises activate the blessing. That is our response to Jesus. Why? Because He came to make that whole process happen. He came to show you the Word of God. He came to show you the promise of the love of God. He came to show you the promise of the mercy of God. He came to show you every promise that God has for you. Abundance, healing, restoration. He came to show you those promises so that we could know them, we could accept them, and we could believe in them. When we know, accept, and believe in the promises of God, the blessing of God starts to become real in our lives. When we start believing His promises, we begin to see a life that is delightful and powerful and beautiful. So Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 14 called the place that the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now the mountain of the Lord for the Israelites and certainly for Abraham, certainly for the whole Jewish nation, the, the mountain of the Lord has become known as the mountain where God spoke. The mountain where God spoke. We remember Mount Sinai was a mountain where God spoke. In many occasions in Scripture, God goes into the, somebody goes into the mountain to speak with God. Even Jesus retreated into the hills to speak with God. There's something about a mountain in Scripture where God speaks. Where God's word is given. Where God's promise is spoken. Where God's desire is seen. That is where there's provision. When we know, accept, and believe in the spoken word and the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, Merry Christmas, the word made flesh, when we know, accept, and believe in those promises of God at the place in our lives where God's word is spoken, that is where the provision is made. It's not made where our own thoughts are spoken. It's not made where our own desires are given importance. No, it is made known when we can hear, when we go to the place in our lives so that God can speak to us on His mountain. He can speak the promises to us. We are open to knowing, accepting and believing them. Then the provision that Abraham spoke about will come. God had provided an, a ram for Abraham and Isaac to sacrifice as a burnt offering to show that his intent was never to kill Isaac. His intent was to activate more promise. On that mountain, on that moment when God spoke to Abraham, there was provision, that ram. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord provides. Wow! Where Jesus was spoken, where Jesus was breathed into being, when the first Christmas happened, shepherds ran to Bethlehem. At the moment the word was spoken, on the mountain, on the moment the word was spoken, 
there was provision. But our response to God this Christmas, our response to Christmas is to accept, know and believe the promises of God. Sacrifice your own thinking and make the promises of God real and active in your life. Do you have a mountain? Not necessarily a negative mountain. Do you have a mountain where God can speak to you? Do you have a mountain right now in your life that God needs to speak into? You need to go up to that mountain and speak the promises of God. Because when you're facing a mountain and you speak the promises of God in that moment in your life, there will be provision. Are you speaking to that mountain right now? Are you hearing the promises of God at that mountain moment in your life right now? Maybe it's not a negative mountain. Maybe it's a a big decision. Do I go to Kenya as a missionary or do I go to Nairobi as a missionary? Maybe it's just a good decision, a good place to be in. Hey, church pastors, maybe you're deciding, hey, do I go to two services or extend my auditorium and build out so that I can have more space? Maybe the provision of God is actually causing you to seek more of His promise. Did you hear what I said? As soon as we know, accept, and believe in the promise of God, there is provision. As soon as there's provision, that provision causes us to have to go back to the promise of God. Where there's divine provision, there needs to be more divine promise. God is sowing and reaping. He is working in our lives so that the promises that are activated produce more work for us to do, which is glorious, wonderful work. And to get that work done, we don't turn to our own thinking, we turn to the promise of God. The promise of God brings about provision. The provision of God goes asks us to go back and ask more of the promises of God. He provides His promise through the Word. Merry Christmas, Jesus Christ. He provides and He activates that promise through the Word. Merry Christmas, Jesus Christ. Our response today should be that we are willing to put aside who we are so that we can step into a fully activated life of the blessings of God. We put aside who we are by knowing, accepting, and believing in the promises of God. All that delights his heart, the promises of God. And as a result, see the activated blessings of God in our lives. This Christmas, every Christmas, every salvation Christmas, and every single day of our lives as we respond and celebrate all that Jesus is this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for every promise that you've ever spoken. Lord, we know that you've spoken it. Jesus came as a physical being to represent your spoken promises to man. We know you've spoken the promises of God over mankind. We know you've spoken them. We can read our Bibles every day, Father, and see your promises. Help us, we pray. This is number one. Put our own thought processes aside so that we can see all that delights you being activated in our lives. Help us know your promises, accept your promises, and believe in your promises. And in so doing, slowly allow our minds to grow slowly dim with our own personal fleshy desires and see a full, rich, satisfying life emerge into the activation of your blessings in our lives. Father, we are amazed by you. That's why we want to do this. Not because we're going to get blessed, but because we can sacrifice ourselves and as a result you promote us. We can humble and you make us great. 
We can be weak and you make us strong. Father, thank you for reversing the processes, for changing our thinking so that we don't have to think like the world. We don't have to be money grabbers. We don't have to be the grabbers of things. We don't have to be hoarders of things. No, we can be free and we can experience every delight. We can be empowered by your promises and be enriched by your blessing. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to us on our personal Christmas Salvation Day, but also as we celebrate Jesus as a, as a worldwide event this Christmas. We love you and we thank you for all that you are. And we pray this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Well, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It doesn't matter who you are in the world. We hope and pray that this message from God today has changed something in your thinking. Maybe you came today a little bit skeptical about who Jesus was. Maybe you came today and you have been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you came today and you're fully on fire for Jesus and you just want to grow more and more in relationship with Him. No matter what happened in your sphere of thinking today, why don't you go ahead and click on the banner and say, yes, something happened to me during this message. I got something out of this message. It's not a salvation banner raised. If it is the first time that you're receiving Jesus, we want to celebrate you. We want to honor you. We want to just get alongside you and explain a whole lot of things to you if you'll have us explain them to you. We don't want to force the issue. We just want to get your details. And we just want to drop you a little celebratory email to say, today you have begun knowing, accepting, and believing in the promises of Jesus. And we want to celebrate the activation of those blessings in your life. We want to celebrate your response to Jesus this Christmas. But maybe you celebrated it, celebrated something today. Maybe you responded to something today. Maybe your response to the wonderful mercies of God today has been because you've been with Jesus for a long time and you just got a refreshing, you just got an understanding. Something happened. You got a word. You got a prophetic understanding. Something happened in your world today that just this message unlocked. Well, why don't you go ahead right now and click on that I raise my hand banner too. It's going to open up a little pop-up and you can tell us a little bit about what happened. We'd love, love, love to hear what your response to Jesus this Christmas has been. This entire message is based on responses from the onliners around the world as regards their response to Romans chapter 12. And so I want to thank all of those in the life group that we've been discussing Romans chapter 12 up until now. You have been the inspiration. Your response to Jesus has been the inspiration to this message. And look, already, right now, people around the world have been changed because of your inspiration and because of your response to Romans chapter 12. So thank you to the Discovering Purpose Life Group. You rock. We thank you for all your input. Go ahead right now. If something happened to you, click on that banner. I raised my hand. Tell us a little bit about what happened in your heart or in your mind right now. And we'd love to be with you and get with you around what happened to you today. We love you and we honor you. Thank you for being a part. The chat room is about to be open for a little while. And you can go ahead and be part of just chatting to people, getting to know other folk who are responding to Jesus this Christmas as well. We want to just say thank you so much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. We look forward to another jam-packed weekend at Victory Life. Looking forward to the broadcast. Be sure to check on the schedule so that you can see when the next broadcast is and how you can be involved. And then also, again, next time, we'll be continuing our response to Christmas. Midweek services will be continuing our response to Jesus. Look forward to seeing you around the online campus very soon. Love you. Be blessed. See you again soon.